Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everyone. Hi, sweetheart. Hello. Great to be here with you all. So later on in this episode, we are going to be talking about our culture of individualism and how it has been weaponized against us. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Man, seriously. Just a real upbeat episode of Misfit Stars coming at you. No, there's, we have, it's, it is, it is going to be an upbeat episode. Like, it's a heavy topic, but, like, we have to talk about the heavy shit to, like, you know, get to the good stuff. Yeah, it's true. That's, that's what we got to do. Mm-hmm. We got to work it through. Mm-hmm. We got this. Put on a happy face. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. <laughs> not a downer at all. No, not a downer at all. No. Okay, so with that as context and preamble, people, here's the deal. Misfit Stars is how our people support the work that we do. Would you like to support our work? Uh, Misfitstars.com slash support. We would be grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, podcast is one of the things we do. We do a bunch of other stuff uh, that um, that your support will will support. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's why it's called support. Uh, yeah, we make new music. Uh, we do a bunch of mentoring and uh, helping other artists. Uh, this podcast, we organize a community in our Misfit Stars uh, social network. Network, a private social network. Which you can get yourself invited to by supporting our work. And then you can participate in our anti-racism book and movie club. Oh, which is so great. We'll talk about that again in a second. Um, but these are all, you know, facets of what we do. Spokes on the wheel that keep this train moving. I, I'm, I'm really not doing well with my metaphor, but the point is... I don't think that train wheels have spokes. No, they don't. I think they're too heavy. Uh, I think spo- they're mostly about, made of cast okay, iron. So, so spokes on the wheel that keeps this bicycle... Racing down the road. That's yeah. where I'm going. Great. Really okay. A plus job. <laughs> okay. So great. Uh, anyway, your support <laughs> uh, is, you know, uh, literally the thing that that keeps this this stuff going. Mm-hmm. So misfitstars.com slash support. Um, you you go, you you make a, a commitment to a, a small monthly ongoing contribution. Yeah. Like a subscription. Mm-hmm. To Shannon and Jamie. <laughs> That's really what it is. Yeah. Honestly, you're subscribing to us. You're basically saying, I would like to support you in an ongoing way. I want yeah. to support your work in a small dollar ongoing way. Yeah, totally. So perhaps you want to do that. If so, do it. Thanks. MisfitStars.com slash support. so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, announcements, announcements, announcements. Nice. We have a couple of announcements. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, you want to take the first one? Yeah, sure. Okay, so great. we uh, would like to announce our next Misfit Stars Zoom meetup. It's going to be next. Yeah. yeah very exciting. We've kind of like, it's, it's, we're on like summer, a loose summer schedule yeah. <laughs> with these. And People it's a, don't want to be on the computer as much in the summer. And I get that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't either, frankly. Same but we'll do these. it for you. We love you guys. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be next Friday, July 30th at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. East. Yeah. Friday, July 30th. Mm-hmm. Put so it on your calendar. Come join us. It'll be three hours long. You can do it on a drop-in basis. You don't have to be there from the very beginning. No. You can show up uh, an hour in, two hours in, whatever works best with your schedule. We will be there. People tend to, some a core of people tend to come and stay for the whole thing. Some people just come for an hour or so, and we love it mm-hmm. all. And we would love to see you. We just talk about stuff. That's it. You might want to know how to join the Zoom meetup. And here's how. Uh, we're going to send you, we'll make a link. So we're making an event, first of all, in our uh Fit Stars social network. Mm-hmm. The Zoom link will be there in the event. Um, if you are not in the Misfit Stars social network, well, uh, if you're already a supporting member of Misfit Stars, but you're not in the social network, you could you could just join the network. Yep. 
uh, send one of us a message and we'll make sure you have gotten an, an invitation to join. If you're not yet a supporting member and you're not part of the social network, well, you could become a supporting member and we will immediately send you an invitation to join the social network and then you will get the invitation to this event for the Zoom meetup. Yeah. And that's how you can join us. Nessiastars.com slash support. There Thanks. you go. So that's announcement one. Announcement two, we're playing exactly one show this summer. Uh-huh. And it's called the Shipwrecked Festival. It's in Astoria, Oregon on August 21st. It benefits the United Way of Clatsop County, which is good. And there will be a ticket link in the show notes. But if you Google Shipwrecked Festival Astoria, Oregon, you can also find it for yourself if you're just super eager and you can't wait to read the show notes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm I, I'm excited about this show. Like, it's outdoors in sort of a grassy, amphitheater-y kind of feeling place. Mm -hmm. So even though the Delta variant is, like, on the rise, mm -hmm. uh, this is a place where you can come and enjoy the music and stay uh, safely distanced from other people who are also enjoying the music. And they're encouraging that. The vibe of it is, yeah. uh, it seems pretty responsible. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. And it's going to be a small thing too. They're expecting like 300 people. So if like three people who are listening to this right now go, that's like 1% of the crowd. Ah. It's not going to be like a huge crowd, which is really cool. Uh, and it's also good that it's going to be not that huge of a crowd because we're going to do sort of an experimental kind of performance. Yeah. And so if it blows, not that many people will know. Yeah, but we still want you to come because uh, if our performance blows, then at least um, at least we get to see you. Yeah, we'll have some moral support. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be like, it wasn't that bad. And we'll be like, no, it was. You'll be like, no, it was really good. And we'll be like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd love to see you there if you are in the area and can make it to the festival. Uh, Shipwrecked Music Festival. Shipwrecked with a D. I said that. I know, but it would like, it got a light and it sounded like okay. shipwreck. Fine, whatever. It may end up being a shipwreck of a music festival. Okay. August 21st. We hope to see you there. <laughs> Car Crash Music Festival. Jamie, how you, you can't look away. How are you feeling today? You know, good. Uh, I'm feeling both uh, chipper, but also like a little tired. We had a wonderful dinner hangout last night with a friend, like over for dinner, you know, in a mm -hmm. vaccinated friends at home kind of way. Um, and I'm still getting up to speed on my socialization muscles. And it yeah. was like a long hang. It was like, I don't know, five, six hours, something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I definitely feel like a little bit dopey and spent, but, but also cheerful and good. That's good. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm great. I feel super cheerful. I love this like cloudy beachy weather we have in the first part of the days sometimes here. It's so good. Uh, I can see that the blue sky is breaking through and the sun's trying to burn some of this off, which is also lovely. Don't do it. But I just, I, like, I'm so much, so very much enjoying summertime in the Pacific Northwest. It is lovely. We have our I'm, windows open. It's like 60 degrees in our house. Yeah. Mwah. I, I, so I just, I'm really, today I'm feeling, I'm feeling just super cheerful. Good. Chipper. Yep. Um, I'm good. There's nothing more to say about that. Hey, that's wonderful. Yeah. Let's just immediately fire up the good news machine. Okay, then. what do you have? Who, me? Yeah, you. Well, my good news this week is personal. Let's hear it. It is that I think we might be done with Rose Alimo's record. That's good news. We've been working on this thing for about a year, she and I. Yeah. And you know, she has been making it herself and I have been guiding her mm -hmm. through it. The last part of the process from a technical perspective is mine. I'm the one mastering the record. Mastering is where you just kind of it's the last stop before it goes out into the world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, any any technical errors that need to be corrected, any final polishing that needs to be done, and then you just kind of make the thing feel as much like a cohesive piece of work as possible. Yeah. You know? And also, like, ideally, that process should be in part guided by the artist. Like, I do my thing, but then I send it back to her, and she's been really good about being like, 
could this one, is this one too dark? Does this one need to be a little heavier? That kind of thing, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, I did it. It's funny, actually. Like, her first comment was that overall she just wanted the record just to be a little, like, less treble, a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Great comment. Really good way to put it. So we reworked it in that vein, and we're just kind of going back and forth and finishing up the last couple things that need to be finished up. But it may be done. Like, I have to go listen to it in the car, like, tonight. And depending on what I hear, I might be done. So this is like provisional good news, which might actually be a completed good news by the time this podcast airs. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to, yeah, I'm floating myself a good news credit. Okay, it's good. Yeah, but I think I'm going to be able to deliver on it. Awesome. Yeah, how about you? Oh man, so my good news machine bit this week is that uh, last Thursday, um, that expanded child tax credit started actually arriving in people's bank accounts. So if you remember the American Rescue Plan, the big like coronavirus relief rescue plan that Congress passed on only Democratic votes back in March, mm-hmm. um, not a single Republican voted for it. So if you uh, like have a Republican representative or senator in your state and they're like back home on break talking about all the great stuff in the American Rescue Plan and how it's going to do amazing things for you, their constituent, they didn't fucking make it happen. Not a single... They voted against it. It's not just that they didn't make it happen. They voted against it. They tried to make it not happen. So don't fall for that. Don't fall for that BS. BS. They're trying to take credit for stuff they actively tried to stop from happening. But here's my good news. Uh, Part of that plan, part of that bill that passed back in March was an expansion of the, the child tax credit. So like more people... Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an income-based uh, tax credit, but the income threshold was bumped up a lot mm-hmm. so that more, a whole lot more families with kids are going to get monthly payments in their bank accounts. It's like up to $300 per kid. I yeah. think it's $300 for kids up to age six. And then at between age six and 17, it's like 250 bucks per kid, per kid per month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is like, it, the, the point of this is to help people with the cost of raising kids because it is freaking expensive. Like yeah. you and I live on a pretty tight budget and we are able to do so because there's two of us. But like if there yeah. were a, another little person <laughs> involved in the picture here, we'd be in trouble. It would be, oh yeah, we, we would be, we would be really trouble. And so, you know, the cost of childcare. I mean, I've I've heard from one of our misfit stars just the other day, Rochelle, who moved to a new community just recently, got a new job. She's like struggling to find childcare. You know, like because it's unaffordable. Part of it is that there's there's a shortage of childcare workers, and mm-hmm. that, that's that's part of it. And that's something that a new bill in Congress will hopefully be be a, uh, uh, the new infrastructure bill they're working on will hopefully a, a, a ch- tackle that challenge because childcare is infrastructure. Yes. So, but 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 the but the cost of childcare is ridiculous, and so these payments. I mean, and and that's childcare. There's all also obviously just feeding the kids and like, you know, all the other expenses that go along with raising children. The really cool thing about this expansion of this child child tax credit is that it is expected to cut child poverty in this country in half. That's amazing. And, And to put that in perspective right now, before this went into place, one in seven children in America lives in poverty. So one out of every seven kids in this country, currently lives in poverty. That's just this unconscionable. expanded child tax credit is going to cut that number in half. So that's amazing. It's a really big deal. This is a temporary um, expansion of this program, but the de- Democrats in Congress are... Um, 
are are on board with with moving to make this permanent. And in this upcoming, it's I, I said the infrastructure bill. It's not just that. It's the American Families and Jobs Plan. Yeah. They're calling it now. I think the Build Back Better Plan. But they and that's a dumb name. They should be calling it the first thing you said. I, either one's fine. I don't even care. But like it's 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 really a, a massive investment in uh, in people <laughs> in in like actually like you know uh, investing in the kinds of things that people that working people need in this country to survive and thrive and build businesses and do their things and whatever. But the it, the the inclusion of this child tax credit as a permanent child tax credit is in this upcoming bill. So that's exciting too. But the good news is that the the the, the temporary expansion went into effect last Thursday. So people will all, you know, now they'll they're gonna start experiencing the um, the benefits of that. And that's very good news. It's a big, big deal. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what are we what are we up to this last week? Adventures. What kind of adventures, Jamie? We mostly had uh painting adventures, <laughs> but like fun stuff. So we uh, we got started on this cool project where we are painting our windows, our, the outsides of a w- our windows, like the trim. Yeah. Black. I know. Because it's the only thing we can paint on our house because we have vinyl siding. Right. And the whole, I mean, you can paint vinyl siding, but it's stupid to do that because then you lose all the benefits of having vinyl siding. Yeah. Right. Which are namely that you never have to paint it. Right. And it just like takes care of itself and looks good. Yeah. And I, when we moved to the Northwest, I, I honestly, I, I was, when we were looking for houses and stuff, I had this dream like I, whenever I I visited here, I fell in love with all of the like the houses that were like really cool, like dark colors, like like a dark blue or gray. You know, like Shannon wants a slate blue house with cedar shingle triangle oh, at the top of the peak. That would be lovely. But I always dreamed of that. We ended up with a uh, a house that has white vinyl siding. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not really anything to be done about that. We don't have the cash to replace our siding at this point. But we can. It looks attractive. Oh, though. it does. Yeah. It's great, and I've and I've honestly come to love it. But we are making the house pop a little bit with these black window frames, and I'm very yeah. excited about it. And you did the front door frame too. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we're gonna do the back door frame. Yeah. Uh, so that is sort of in process. We got like halfway done, and the ones that are black look so cool. Yes. So we're gonna scrape do. and prep and prime and paint. The, we kind of did all the windows except the hardest ones, which are the big, we have three sort of bigger windows that have storm windows. Yeah. So to take the storm windows off, scrape everything, prime and paint, it'll be a big thing, but it, it won't be hard. Oh yeah, totally doable. That's yeah. the magic of paint. Like it's not that expensive of an investment and you make a massive transformation in yeah. whatever it is that you do. Like a little elbow grease and a little, you know, the purchase of the paint and bam, it's we so had- fun. My uh, my college girlfriend and I had a roommate uh, in our early 20s who, uh, she created a huge mess. Okay. She, was, she was a little bit lazy. She, okay. has, she, she has since changed as an adult, haven't we all? Okay. But in her early 20s, she, you know, I, I was deficient in some ways. She was deficient as a roommate in that she was super lazy and just wouldn't put a lot of effort into the house. Okay. And so one time she, like, we had this really cool, like, uh, carriage uh, post, what's it called? Like a carriage lantern kind of thing. Remember okay. the ones they sold at, like, Urban Outfitters in, like, the late 90s? Those ones. An exterior light? No, or? no, interior. You would, oh. put a, you would put a candle in it. But it had, like, it looked like something oh. you would see, like, on a carriage, and you would, like, open a little door, put the candle inside, close a little glass door. Remember okay. those ones? Yeah, uh-huh. They were super, like, them and pedestal lights in the 90s, remember? Okay. Yeah. Sure, okay. And you don't remember? Yes. Oh, okay. I said, sure. 
Yeah, but you said it in a way that you're like, I have no idea what you're talking no. about. No, no, it was, a, it was a go on. Okay, yeah. Okay. So we had one of those, and it was sort of mounted close up to the ceiling, and she just kind of let it burn and left the house, and we came back, and it was all smoky up there. It burned out oh. and caused this huge smoky thing on the ceiling. Oh. All you really had to do, all she really had to do was just clean it, you know what I mean? But those are time-sensitive kind of things, because if you let them sit, they will sink into the paint, and then it's just there forever, okay. uh-huh. you know? And so we came back, it's like, oh, that's bad, you should clean that. And so the next day we came back, and it sort of just was lightly smudged in the middle and she's like I couldn't get it out and I was like did you try a little elbow grease she's like well where do you get that oh no (laughs) I actually think probably you would have to paint over soot like that that could be true right yeah 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 yeah. she did did her best bummer where do do you get elbow grease you go to ace hardware like um yes excuse me what aisle do I find the elbow grease yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, man. That's an insight. And other theory. painting news, Shannon spray painted a small metal table. Oh, yeah. We're just into paint, paint, just like yeah. paint transforming things. Yeah. We had this like deck table that had faded. I'm like, I'm just going to go get some orange spray paint and paint it. And now it looks super hot. For six bucks. I know. Spray paint's I amazing. I love it. And so I started my own little painting slash art project. So when we inherited this house, this house was built in like 1945. Mm-hmm. And. Clearly, about five years after that, somebody put up a tall metal TV antenna on the side of the house. When did TV and TV antennas become a thing? Do you know? I mean, right around the early 50s. It was in the 50s, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like, when... I'm just... I wonder. Like, when this house was built... Probably not in 19... Probably, it probably didn't go up in 1945. No, I'm thinking it was probably 50, 51. Yeah. I think that's when the kind of first TV revolution happened. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Because my dad, I think, uh, recollects it as being when he was like six or seven, and that would have been right around that time frame. Okay, yeah. But it's one of those antennas that like it was on a big metal pole, and then it looks like... It looks like the shape of like a stealth bomber, but with just like spindles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a good description, right? It's pretty good, yeah. It looks yeah. like a stealth bomber, but just made of made angular of- metal spindles. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool looking. Yeah. And so my big idea was to take that thing down, disassemble it, clean it all up, uh, spray paint it all uh, sort of like fire engine red, uh-huh. and put it all back together, spray the joints, mm-hmm. and then mount it in our backyard on the fence, because the fence has poles that we could sink this thing into. That's indeed how it was mounted on the side of the house, right. sort of down the center of a fence pole. So now it's going to be just like an art project in the backyard, yeah, like a, art, an art installation. Yeah, like the Soviet retro-futuristic vision of the future, uh-huh. a vision of a low-tech future. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's going to be really cool. And our neighbors are going to be like either, oh, how cool. We live next to artists and they're doing fun things in the yard. Or they're going to be like, freaking artists. Yeah. Telephone or television poles yeah. to keep in their backyard. Yeah. Artists, a.k.a. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice art, idiots. <laughs> it's been so fun to like do these little projects. Like summertime, the weather's good. The other thing that we did this last week is we got our bikes fixed up. Yes. And I just feel super motivated to do this stuff. It's like, yeah, it's nice outside. The weather's great. Let's go do stuff. And like, so we, we got our bikes all like fixed up and now we can just I want just, to be like, clear, we fix them up ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we can like, we can just like toodle all over town now. Put That's on our great. helmets and go for it. I have a basket in the front of mine, which is mm-hmm. just su- super adorable. Our bikes are like old. Mm-hmm. They're like they're like antiques at this point. They're from like the 1970s. They're Schwinn's. I think Shannon's is precisely as old as she is. Yeah. I think yours is, she has a Schwinn, a Schwinn Suburban. I think it's literally from 1975, does like her. that make me an antique it as does. well? No, well, no. It's it's vintage. Antique is 50. You're cruising toward it, but I'm, you're not there okay. yet. Okay, all yeah. right. Vintage is, 
vintage is still a cool sounding word. Yeah. I am vintage and so is my bike. My bike sadly is an antique because it is from 1970. Is it? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a racer. Yeah. A Schwinn racer. They're awesome bikes. Like they're super cute. Uh, but now we can just like bike around town. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's so fun. It's such a great way to see the place you live because you see so much more of it. You And not just see, but you smell mm-hmm. things because you're not cooped up in a car, you yeah. know? Like you smell stuff, you hear more things because mm-hmm. you're, again, not cooped up in a car with windows shut, yeah. you know? You just experience more of your neighborhood mm-hmm. when you're riding around on a bike. Or other neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, Very excited to maybe ride our bicycles to a football match. AKA soccer game. Oh yeah, we could do that because that's it's like a mile away from our house. Yeah. That'd be a great bike adventure. I feel so stupid saying football because that's not what we call it here. Like that's what they call it in the sport. But anytime I say like football. Worldwide. Yeah. Anytime I say football though, I'm like, no, I don't mean like American football. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which then makes disclaimer. me sound pretentious and stupid. Yeah. I just need to say soccer. You just need to say soccer. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go see a soccer game on our bikes, people. That's the point. Speaking of soccer, um, like the whole reason that I even want to go see a soccer game, like seriously, one of the biggest reasons I want to go see a soccer game again, we, we did it earlier this summer, is because I am in, interested now in soccer because of the show Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> And the second season of Ted Lasso starts this Friday. And I know that you are on the train of like, no, we have to wait until they've all, because they're releasing them like one episode at a time, like like as if it were a... Like old-fashioned TV. Yeah, old-fashioned TV. And I know that you're on the train of, no, we got to wait till they, you know, they're all out so we can binge them all at once. Uh-huh. But there's part of, and I understand that. Like, I like I like to binge. That's how we did the first season. Mm-hmm. We binged it a few months ago. And it was so wonderful. It was. So wonderful. It's so heartfelt. But... I, I'm so eager to see these characters again that I just don't know if I want to wait until the whole season is done. You I just need to rewatch it for a season. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I will do that, but... I mean, I'll, but also, I don't know. I'm willing to watch it episodically with you. Also, that just feels like a chore. But here's I'm the, busy and no, I don't necessarily want to watch a thing a week. Okay, whatever. But 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 waiting until it's all done is a different proposition. Like than watching when you're free to watch the next episode. Here's like there's since we've watched. Also, I've met a bunch of people or talked with a bunch of people who also love the show. And like, if they're going to be watching it like in real time. I feel like a little, I have a little FOMO about like not getting to share the, you know, each new episode with people who are like watching it all over the world. Mm. You're, just, you're just worried about seeing spoilers on Twitter. No, no. I just want to enjoy it with people. Yeah. Because, yeah. Anyway. You and your internet friends enjoying the soccer TV. I know, but it's so good. <laughs> and I, you, those of you who know me, like we don't, we're, we've never, this is like one of the only TV series you and I have ever watched. Like yeah. we're like, Totally not on the TV series train, but this one totally got captured my heart. Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's wonderful. So great. I'm not anti, I suppose. I just, I have the opposite thing from you. I don't have FOMO. I have, uh, I don't know, I can't think of the acronym like in real time. But what I have a fear of, it's not missing out. It's of delayed gratification. You have a fear I'm of... I'm fudgy. Del- <laughs> so what's the fear of delayed gratification? Like I, it's, I don't want to watch a thing and then have to wait. Oh. I just want to watch and watch and watch. So you have a fear of waiting. Yeah. You have a fear of patience. Yeah, generally. So you have FAP. FOP. Huh. FOP. FAP, yeah. <laughs> FAP is a totally different no, conversation. I, <laughs> I don't 
even know what that means. Okay. Fap is... No, it's a real thing? It's internet slang for masturbating. Oh, oh, no. That's not what I meant at all. Gosh. <laughs> no, no. It's sort of onomatopoeic in nature. Fap, also, fap, 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 oh, fap. Oh, I did not need to hear that. Sorry. Also, how do you know this? Because I'm on the internet. Oh, my God. Well, so am I. Well, yeah. I'm, you know. Where are you on the internet? Well, I'm on Twitter. It's a cesspit, <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, on that note, should we take a short break and then get into our meaty discussion for today about individualism mm-hmm. and what it's doing to us? <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, let's do that. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Jamie just did as we were like getting back into it. He was like revving himself up. It was very cute. (laughs) (laughs) He he looked like he was about three years old. (laughs) Oh, right on. Cool. Yeah. A whole part of this podcast that probably the listeners don't really get is that I'm constantly just trying to make Shannon laugh in the middle of it or amuse you or make or or delight you, you know? Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what you do in our lives in general. (laughs) Stop it some more, sweetheart. Love it. So, uh, time for our super fun discussion on individualism. Uh, you, you, keep, you keep introducing <laughs> this like it's a downer. And I, yeah, like, yeah, we're, and we're trying to unpack some things that came to our attention this week that have been in our thoughts that, yeah, they, 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 it's, I guess it's a heavy-ish topic. But sort oh, of, I'm just but being not silly. Even, okay. I'm fine with it. All right. I mean, but this is the good stuff. This is like... This is like why we do this podcast is to mm-hmm. talk about stuff that matters to us and like hash this stuff out. And like, so this is like good. It's, you know, it's about like, you know, picking apart things and ideas that hopefully help us be better people and make a better world. That's, you know, that's all good. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. It is. I like it. Oh, we reached the part of the... Uh, Podcast for Shannon Bunks. Yeah, microphone. okay, never mind. Moving on. So. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, you know, to frame this, the, and this is not the context for the entire thing, but it's a good way into the discussion. I don't know if you listeners would be aware of an author, writer named Timothy Snyder, mm-hmm. but he wrote this book in uh, early 2017, late 2016, early 2017, called On Tyranny. It's more like a mini book. It was like this little a booklet. Booklet. It's like a it's like a postcard size. Like it's five by seven and maybe a quarter inch thick. Maybe like sixty pages. You yeah. know. Um, and it's it's uh, like a coffee table book, but for tyranny. Yeah, 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 and also for a very small table. Yeah, <laughs> a side table book for tyranny. Yeah, and it really was that. I mean, it was intended to be something that you would keep on your nightstand and use as a reference for what we were about to go through as a society. That's how it was intended. That's why he published it. Right. This guy, he's a professor who has been studying uh, authoritarian regimes for his entire life. Right. And he's a world-renowned expert on authoritarianism and authoritarian regimes, tyranny. Uh, you know, all the all the bad stuff. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. And this book was really sobering. And it was really just, like, was it, what was it, 20 things, 10 things? I can't remember what, but, but it was like, here are the things to look for, you know, when a regime is attempting to turn toward authoritarianism and uh-huh. tyranny. 
And it's just bullet points, really. It was just like 60 pages of bullet points, like this and this and this and this and this will happen because it always happens historically in this order and this is how it goes. Right. Um, And at the time, it was sobering to read it because, you know, three months into the Trump presidency and we were already like halfway down the list. You know what I mean? Wow. Like they were doing stuff quickly, like all uh, all the stuff that tyrants would do, like they were doing it. It was scary. This guy was an incredible resource for that. Shannon and I were just made aware by our dear friend Katie Rose, who's also a Misfit star. What's Woo-hoo! happening, Katie? Uh, he has a Substack. He has a Substack, and oh my gosh, I wish I'd known about this from the very beginning of it. So a Substack, if you're not aware, of people is just an email list that you can get on, like a newsletter list. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's a way basically for people to self-publish. It's really nifty. Um, apparently, they have Substack is sort of problematic as a platform. So if you're looking to self-publish, there's one called Ghost that does not come with the same problematic kind of stuff. Oh. Substack uh, has a troubling history around trans voices. Oh, I and didn't know that. You can Google it. It's not the best thing in the world. Also, at a certain level, it's just a platform. Like we use problematic platforms too, because at some level, you just have to be on platforms, and that is what it is you know facebook's a bad actor but a lot of our dear people We're are there still there yeah what so can you do but you know a, it's a way for writers to uh pub- it's kind of like blogging mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it's sending the the writing directly to the people who are interested in it rather than just being posted on the internet somewhere waiting to be discovered and what's wonderful about it too is that you can use a fr- there's a subscription aspect to it right, also right. and a lot of writers use kind of a freemium model where a lot of their writing will be available for free like just the newsletter part and then if you pay a monthly thing then there's like add-ons you can get for him it's like little podcast things whatever yeah yeah um it's really great. So he has a Substack. He has this newsletter. And, you know, so Katie made us aware of it, like, I don't know, six days ago. ago, And we subscribed like five days ago. And the very first newsletter that we got uh, on Friday night or Saturday morning, uh, it was called Florida's Holocaust Problem. Uh, and it was talking about like memory loss. So mm-hmm. there's this new thing that's sweeping the nation right now that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, that's it's not called memory laws by the people who are doing it, but people who study uh, fascism and tyranny and authoritarian authoritarian regimes have come to refer to this sort of academically as memory laws because this is something that authoritarian regimes always do. They, at a certain point in their evolution, will start making laws all over their country about what can and can't be taught. Right, so like it's essentially making it illegal to teach... uh, history that might shine a bad light on the regime. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. And it's really troubling because if you, it's funny, you know that saying, those who don't learn history are condemned to repeat it. We always think that that is sort of a, you know, study hard in school or you're going to be a dumbass and make dumb mistakes that you wouldn't have made (laughs) otherwise kind of thing. But I think what it really means is that the people who can control what we know of our own history can control our understanding of it and our ability to avoid making the same mistakes in the future. Totally. And it's really, really scary. And that's what a whole bunch of Republican legislatures all across the country are doing right now in real time. There's been something like eight memory laws enacted in the last month. It is scary stuff. It's really, really scary. And Can you give an example of a few? Like the one, there was one that was passed. It's not yet passed in Texas. The, The Texas State Senate has passed it. 
Um, so it's not become law yet, but it's working its way through this Texas legislature. Oh, I mean, you can that just... like they they um, have they are removing from the mandated state education curriculum. Uh, they're removing um, the standard with that that students have to learn about uh, women's suffrage. Like they're removing Susan B. Anthony from the mandated curriculum. They're removing um, uh, the mandate to educate about uh, certain aspects of the civil rights movement. Like they're taking Martin Luther King Jr. out of the mandated things that students have to learn about in in Texas schools. Yeah, it's wild. So then that's yeah, and that's wild. And removing from mandated teaching is one thing. Florida is going much right. further. Florida's much worse. Uh, so the. The substance of the new Florida measure is, uh, here, here are some parts of it. Teachers are now specifically required to tell students that racism, quote, is merely the product of prejudice and are specifically forbidden from teaching that racism is embedded in American society and its legal systems. So they're, right? they're essentially saying that you can only say, if you're going to talk about racism in schools in mm -hmm. Florida, you can only say that racism is an individual problem. Personal prejudice. It is not, they cannot teach the idea that racism is systemic in any way or that racism is baked into our systems in such a way that disadvantages people of color. Yeah, that's right. And as Snyder so uh, adroitly points out in his article, uh, and I'm quoting from him here, this pedagogical line would seem to make it impossible to teach basic elements of U.S. history, uh -huh. such as redlining, segregation, voter suppression, the racial cleansing of neighborhoods and counties, not to mention slavery itself. Right, and if you look at systemic racism... Well, slavery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slavery was not the result of, of of people's individual attitudes about people about black people. No. No. It was, it was a, a systemic, systemic issue. Issue. Yeah. It was, exactly. it was yeah, it was a an institution. <laughs> yeah. And so uh here is what Snyder has to say about uh, about why th this memory law in Florida is happening, which is the same reason it's happening in all the other places. Uh, he says, this spring, the Florida Board of Education has allowed itself to get caught up in a moral panic caused by the belief that a minority has somehow taken control of the country's educational system, a liberal minority, of mm -hmm. course. Six states have passed memory law. So I was wrong. It's not eight. It's six currently. Okay. Six, oh, but the, there's two more pending, hence the eight. There's yeah. Texas and one other. Yeah. Six states have passed memory laws that seem designed to protect white students from the knowledge of historical events that might cause them to experience guilt and shame <laughs> as, as white people, right? Uh, and that's really, uh, that's wild. It's wild. So to and deeply troubling, right? Because if you don't teach these students, if you don't teach an entire generation of students our own deeply troubling history in our country of what we have done with people with brown skin, then that what that does is it opens the door for people to do those exact same things in the future. Yeah, and and we're we're becoming more and more fractured as a society because these these systemic issues exist. It's wild to me. It's like it, it's 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 the equivalent, like not teaching this history because it might make you feel it might make someone feel uncomfortable. <laughs> is honestly you, like well, Ibram Kendi, Ibram X Kendi talks about it in his book, you know, How to Be an Anti Racist. He he's a survivor of stage four colon cancer, right? And he describes like you know. Did it make him uncomfortable to accept the idea that he had stage four colon cancer? Yeah, he, mm -hmm. he was in denial about it. He didn't want to accept that fact, but it was the reality of the situation. But it's only in, in accepting the reality 
that from that place that then that's where you can develop a plan to get rid of it but you have to accept and acknowledge it first yeah like there's so it's like like cancer isn't cured by just pretending it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like you have to identify it and laser focus remove it and work to remove it in order to create a healthy body and it's the same kind of thing with this these kinds of laws you know like oh we we don't want to make children feel uncomfortable that their white ancestors did such horrible things in our history or whatever you know like we don't want to (laughs) <laughs> create a situation where anyone's feeling bad about history. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, no. it's, just, it's just fundamentally not the right way to deal we with it. We need to acknowledge and accept that and fully absorb the knowledge of that in order to figure out how to make a healthy country. Yeah. Like that's, that's the... It's like the first step of the 12 steps yes. is acknowledging that you have a problem. Totally. That's it. That's how any kind of recovery works. Right. You know, and so we wanted to kind of, you know, jump off from there. Yeah. Uh, and this, in our minds, ties into this longer discussion that we've been having yeah. over the last many, many episodes at this point of this podcast. We didn't really go so far this time as to be like, this is episode number five in this series. It sort of is, but at this point, we're just kind of going down rabbit holes based off of our curiosity about yeah. what the future looks like. Totally. Uh, and we love rabbits. So yeah, like, like we, we do. got one living under our deck in the backyard. So in the spirit of the backyard rabbit, oh here we gosh. go. It likes to come out when we're sitting on the deck <laughs> and it likes to munch clover and keep an eye on us. I love it. It is so fucking sweet. Yeah, so when I read this, like, and I think that that if you haven't yet read this Timothy Snyder piece, we have, Jamie posted it in Misfit Stars um, yeah. in the Brain Food topic. So you and can I'll put go. A, I'll put a link also in the show notes for people who aren't in Misfit Stars. Great Although, idea. You should just get yourself into Misfit Stars, misfitstars.com slash join. That's right. So there's so much about the article that that is important and so much, you know, stuff that was really great to think about. But specifically the the idea that lingered with me after reading it, just kind of in, in context of sort of our the broader discussion we've been having about like what kind of a world we want to re-enter or build from this this inflection point that we've had, you know, over the last year or so. Um you know, was this idea of individualism. Like, yeah. so, you know, in this Snyder piece, he's, he's essentially saying, you know, that, that, that this, what, what these memory laws are attempting to do is to excuse systemic wrongdoing, mm-hmm. systemic injustice with, by saying, oh no, racism is just an individual prejudice problem. You know, so it's placing the responsibility on the individual and not looking at the whole. And I'm, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, gosh, that is another way in which this focus on the individual in our country is, is kind of undoing us, you know, and, and it's not good for us. You know, if we focus only on individual attitudes about race, we're never going to fix the systemic problems that are actually uh, not only uh, creating and maintaining oppressive symptoms, oppressive systems mm-hmm. um, that people of color are, have experienced in this country and continue to, but we're seeing that the that the ways that that oppression is like, I think it's it's feeding the, the fracturing of our society as a whole. You know, we see evidence of that all over the place, right? Like we're no matter whether you're black or white or any other color of skin, we're all experiencing the sickness that systemic racism has uh, brought to our country. Sure, and and more largely, uh, this dislocation and fracturing caused by this hyper-focus on individualism, culturally speaking. It's related, yeah. These things are related to each other. Like, And so, yeah, that's what's been on my mind. And I I can't remember where I read something else. I've been reading sort of this 
daily sort of like uh, devotional kind of thing yeah. lately. It could have been in there or maybe it was... It's just daily affirmations with Stuart Smalley, right? It's not that, but... <laughs> Uh, just this this book I bought a few years ago that just has like just interesting like spiritual ideas to think about each day meditations yeah. you know um, and I, I I mentioned last week I was working my way through uh, the book The Four Agreements again so it may it may have been in there too but like it brought one of those readings brought to mind this idea of the myth of our individualism like we really have bought into this idea that we each one of us is an island you know when in reality like maybe we're actually Maybe we're actually uh, less of an island and more a part of the whole of not just our society, not just our planet, but of the universe itself, mm-hmm. you know, and that that being separated from that notion of being part of this sort of divine whole, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is... And also, listener, like, if the idea of divine makes you uncomfortable, then just take that word sure. out. It doesn't have to be divine. Yeah. You know, it's just that we're all connected yeah. is the point. Yeah. But I think that this this is getting in the way of us creating a healthy world and a health and, and, and living healthy and happy lives as, as individuals, as part of the whole, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I just was like, you don't have to think about divine if that makes you uncomfortable. But in the very next breath, I will say <laughs> that, you know, we ignore the idea that we are spiritual beings at our own peril, yeah. you know, and that we are connected energetically in some way. And one of the absolute genius moves that, uh, the people who are, controlling us have managed to pull off over the last hundred years is to like unroot us. And it's more than a hundred years, probably closer to 200. They've managed to untether us from the idea that we are rooted in nature, that we are grounded in the earth, that we are all connected to one another Mm -hmm. through like roots sort of, you Mm -hmm. know, like trees. And they've managed to replace that, that, intuitive sense of interconnectedness that we have as human mammals with a consumer mentality, mm-hmm. right? The idea that you are not defined by the relationships you have or by the inner well-being that you get from feeling like mm-hmm. you're a, a part of a whole, that, mm-hmm. you're, that you're one among many, they've replaced that uh, in our imagination by the idea that we're defined by the stuff you can acquire and that the way to build up your personal life, first of all, that the idea is not to build up the collective, it's to build up your personal life. Mm-hmm. And you do that by acquiring things that conveniently they can sell you for a nice premium. Right, and it's, it's interesting. Like I'm hearing you talk about the, the people who have made us believe these things. It makes it sound like there's some like council somewhere who's deciding how things are going to go. And that's obviously not like yeah. <laughs> the, the way the way that this goes it's, no, it's, it's a, a matter of it's a disaggregated impulse yeah and so like that they're you know in in our in our capitalistic society you know what the 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 cycle that we get trapped in as people is feeling like uh we we have a need someone has created and, and oftentimes it is media or ads or just our experience here that like creates a feeling of need where maybe the need doesn't actually exist but a company who wants to sell you something to meet that need will do whatever it can to help create the feeling of that need within us yeah so that we can you know then turn around and spend money on the thing that they're offering to purportedly fill that need, you know, and yeah. we, we get sucked into that. But, but I mean, I, do we need smart water? Arguably not. <laughs> Gum water served us well for literally millennia. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. But I think that the more that we feel isolated from the from a, from a, a connected collective whole, mm-hmm. the more we experience or we the more maybe we are vulnerable to those feelings of need where there isn't actually need. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if you think about how uh, a pair of coyotes might hunt sheep. Okay. They, they charge the whole group. Uh-huh. They see who splits off, and uh-huh. once something is split off and isolated, then uh-huh. they go focus in on that. I see. The point being that, like, when you're all together, it's very hard to take you on. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you can separate us all out mm-hmm. and make us isolated and vulnerable, then it's very easy to focus mm-hmm. in on us and pick us off. Right, right. It's, it's so interesting. I just, I, this is, like, it's really making me think about the ways in which... Uh, I have accepted the message of individualism for my own life, mm-hmm. you know, and like I want to figure out how to undo that wiring in yeah. my brain because yeah. I don't think that it serves me well and I don't think that it makes me a, a good participant in creating a world that's better for everyone, you know, when I'm when I'm operating as an individual looking out for herself and her own needs, yeah. you know, as the A number one goal. Um, so I, I, I'm still teasing all this apart, but you know, that's part of what was on my mind with these things this week with these readings. Yeah. But I really do think though, that like we are seeing the evidence of societies, the, the, the idea that society crumbles, like we're, we're seeing the edges breaking off right now. Like this last year and a half has been like a huge example of how, uh, when when the core unit of a society is the individual, that that's just not a solid foundation. Yeah. When the core unit of a society is our collective, then we've got a shot at building something actually good and lasting and sustainable. But like, you know, the, 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 a, couple, a couple examples from the pandemic, for mm-hmm. instance, you know, right now we're dealing with like the Delta variant, you know, just skyrocketing among unvaccinated populations, and uh, and and it's but but people who have been fully vaccinated are getting the virus also because of the spike in unvaccinated populations. The people who've been vaccinated aren't getting as sick as they would have otherwise. They're largely not being hospitalized and they're not dying from mm-hmm. it, but they're still getting sick with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, it's so it's an effect on all of us, but. You know, so many of the people who are not willing to get vaccinated right now or who aren't vaccinated aren't getting vaccinated because they're not willing to. Right. Because they're not willing to do this thing that could help the whole and it's taking the rest of us down. Same with mask wearing, you know, like, I mean, there are some places that are reinstituting mask mandates because of this rise in the Delta variant. And very simply because they've learned, like, saw this... Very funny article in today's LA Times talking about how they have had to reinstitute a mask mandate in the county of Los Angeles because they had been going on a voluntary, you can, it's fine if you don't wear your mask as long as you're vaccinated. The honor system. Yeah, the honor system. And like the way they phrased in the article was so goddamned naive. It was just, (laughs) it was infuriating. It was like, we've come to realize that perhaps actually uh, people who aren't vaccinated just aren't wearing masks. Like, well, no shit, man. (laughs) Well, geez, like, how could you, how did you ever come to this shocking conclusion that the same people who wouldn't do the simple free thing to protect their fellow citizens also would lie about it? Yeah, right. Oh, weird. But, you know, I bring this up, um, you know, not just to get all enraged about it because that's easy to do, but but also- I'm like inflamed. I'm so mad. (laughs) it It is a very 
just obvious and stark example of something very simple that like if someone's only looking out for themselves and not willing to do the the small things to look out for the collective yeah. we're seeing this is an example of how that how that affects all of us in a negative way you know and 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 you know extrapolate that that sort of worldview, the individual me first, I'm looking out for myself worldview to all aspects of human existence. And you very quickly can see how like that attitude does not contribute to a stable society. (laughs) That attitude contributes to a society which becomes more and more fractured and and honestly, we're seeing it. We're seeing the evidence right now. We're like we're falling in on ourselves because this structure cannot stand yeah. in this way. And so let's talk about like it's funny. Let's talk about how this affects individuals. But let's <laughs> seriously though. Let's, I think it would be productive here to talk about uh, you know what are the effects of this? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the effects on on each of us of the focus on individualism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, as we as you and I were kind of jotting out our show notes, the the thing that leapt at us. It, it, it leapt out at us is how the separation of the individual from the collective is the cause of so much of the psychological pain that we experience. Oh yeah, but and, and we experience that psychological pain both individually and also at a societal level collectively. Yeah, yeah. this is this came out of one of the readings that I did in one of the, in one of the books I read this week, and I can't. I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly where it came from. But this and, and, and in a lot of readings from spiritual like uh from a spiritual perspective like a lot there's a lot of ancient spiritual traditions that that get back to this idea of of no actually you're not this island you are part of something much bigger than you mm-hmm. you know and getting back to that idea of oneness yeah. you know with everything that is mm-hmm. and and our you know our buddha our, walks into a hot dog stand and says make me one with everything <laughs> thank you thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> Buddha walks into a hot dog stand. That's a contender for an episode title. I just want you to, right, <laughs> I just want to right. make a note of that. But so, so, but there's there's a lot of stuff that that I read. You know, I, I, I a couple of years ago read a bunch of of um, readings from Nick Tot Han. Um, Thich Nhat Han. So, excuse me, <laughs> Thich Nhat. Tongue twister, Thich Nhat Han. I like um, the idea that, that like they're named Nick. I, <laughs> Nicholas Tot Han. That was just a total like. Tongue thing. I'm. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Um, but uh, and also like the the Tao. If you read the Tao, like there's so many of these like ancient traditions that point to the idea of oneness, and yeah. that, that's where you find meaning and healing, and you know, uh, and 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 a and an authentic experience of 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 what is real, you know, and that the individualism is not that, that the individualism, the separation from that idea that we are part of everything and a part of each other. Like isolation is, but we we learned this last year in the pandemic, right? Like isolation is hard. Yeah. Like being separated from people physically was really freaking hard. Yeah. You know, but we do that to ourselves psychologically and emotionally all the time when we when we silo our existence as being an as a, as an individual existence as opposed to being one with with everything that is, you know. and yeah. Something that's really encouraging to me, thinking about it, I mean, so if you think about, like, the idea that this idea of the uh, of all of us being one, mm-hmm. uh, if you think about that, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's in every single spiritual tradition, oh, going yeah. back tens of thousands of years. Yeah. Which means that this problem 
with individualism goes back tens of thousands of years because oh, yeah. that's why they felt they had to write about it in their spiritual stuff, right. in their literature. That's you know so what I mean? Yeah. And so like, it's kind of encouraging to think that like, we're not the first people to battle this. Mm. This is not unique to us nor to our time. Mm. And humanity has persisted and indeed mm. flourished and thrived over the last many millennia. Mm -hmm. I and mean, we've so, gotten a lot of things wrong in that time too, but... Yeah. But here we yeah. are. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> so I take that as sort of encouraging, you mm -hmm. know? We're not the first people to deal with this. It's probably just a root condition of humanity. Yeah. It's a way maybe. that... It's a wedge that powerful people can use to drive us apart. And by the way, like earlier when I was like, the people who are controlling us, and you're, <laughs> and you're like, who's that? And then in the next breath you talked about capitalism. That's who? In a capitalistic society, mm. the people with capital are the ones who are controlling you. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been other systems of government, or not... That's, capitalism is not a system of government. Other systems of of other other kinds of economies mm -hmm. or systems of of organizing a society economically, mm -hmm. how do you say that? Mm -hmm. uh, where obviously there's been a, a hierarchy in which people are exploited as well, you yeah. know, and, and kept uh, pitted against each other, you know, in yeah. systems of like, well, like, you know, I'm thinking of uh, f feudalism, sure. <laughs> you know, things like that, you know, things yeah. that were not capitalistic. Old fashioned slavery. <laughs> yeah. But, Yes, yeah, so right. You're right. This is this is probably part of like the human condition and part of the thing, part of the struggle that maybe humans have had for millennia. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it's something to pay attention to. You know, like I think there there are ways to combat this. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there you you can't deny the fact that we do have an individual experience. Yeah, as humans, right? Yeah. Like we do have that. But it would be it would be at our own peril to mistake that as the end point of our existence. Oh, totally. Right? So, like, yes, we do have individual experiences, but like, there are ways as individuals that we can sort of maybe uh, undo that wiring of of being an island. You know, <laughs> you know how you and I say that we don't do music as an end goal. Like, music for us is the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that same principle applies mm -hmm. like yes we all have individual experiences mm -hmm. but that shouldn't be the end of the conversation that should be the beginning of it your individual experience should be the thing that you bring to the community oh that's a great way of saying it yeah yeah and yeah so i i'm i may be jumping ahead in our notes here but i right. remember when we were talking about this episode earlier and taking notes on what we wanted to talk about i recalled this conversation i had with a dear friend of mine a few years ago sarah taylor she's uh, just this wonderful woman that i became friends with in la and um she's such an interesting character uh i just love her so much um she's a she's a comedian mm -hmm. an actor um and she's also a reiki healer yeah and a meditation uh like leader yeah. um and and she actually all those aspects of who she are uh, of who she is um she it, she integrates so like her comedy is very much centered on like spirituality and meditation yeah. and that se may seem odd and maybe followed with a reiki healing too oh yeah absolutely but it all works i mean like i mean one of the things about comedy is that when we laugh together we do open ourselves I think, uh, emotionally, yeah. you know, in that experience of laughter. And so what a great time to also experience, you know, uh, an exercise in meditation and healing when you've been opened by laughter, you yeah. know, like it, it all works. It's just, it's just uniquely Sarah and I love it so much, but we would meet every, every couple of months for lunch. 
uh, in LA. And I remember this one lunch meeting that we had and she had come back from a solo retreat that she did out in the desert. She was like by herself for like a week or two, Mm -hmm. you know, on a meditation, a solo meditation retreat. And, um, and she came back and recounted this experience that she had had, uh, and and I could tell before she even started telling me the story that she was changed. Mm. <laughs> Just a, something about her presence was serene in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Um, and not that she'd been troubled before that, but there was just a, there was just a layer of like something <laughs> that she was wearing, yeah. you know, post this experience. But she described to me this, uh, this experience she had in her meditation where she really felt like for the first time ever that she could see and feel fully an experience of being one with everything. Mm. Um, and, I don't know that I've had that kind of direct experience, but I was really inspired by hearing her story of it. You know, she she talked about how the um just the 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 amount of of peace that that experience brought to her, how um so many of the fears that she has as a human melted away <laughs> in having the experience of feeling fully at fully one with everything. And when you say one is. with everything, you mean a realization that she's not separate from anything else. Yes. But she's just one part of the whole of the universe. Yeah. Like yeah. she and that Joshua tree outside her window are part of the same thing. Yeah. That like they 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 are part of the same existence. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it, it it was it was really neat to hear her talk about this, but I feel like, you know, hearing her talk specifically about the ideas, the the ways in which um, the things that trap her, the fears, the anxieties, the loneliness, the, the, you know, the emotional hardships going away, disappearing in that moment of, of experiencing oneness. And I thought, oh my gosh, how we, we all live with all of these with these things that trap us all the time. We Mm -hmm. live with fear and anxiety and loneliness and, those are the things that keep us more isolated from people and from the world and from nature and from our connection to the universe as mm-hmm. a whole. And those things, those things are what can be exploited by outside forces to keep us, keep us sick, keep us isolated, and from not realizing our poten- the potential we have as as part of a collective. Sure. And keep us sedated too, you know? Mm. Uh, and I don't want to like diverge into a whole other rabbit hole on media theory here, but the invention of mm. the of the television mm-hmm. and the financial mechanisms to make television free to everybody mm. initially, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You had to get the device, but as far as the programming, it just came over the airwaves, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And that was on purpose. The idea that they could numb us, they could isolate us into our houses mm-hmm. and then keep us there and keep us numb. Mm-hmm. And there's not much difference between a TV and a morphine drip. No. Like when you are watching a lot of TV in your life, you are uniquely pliable. You are very open to other people's messages Mm. and you are very much not focusing on your own ideas, your own thoughts, your Mm -hmm. own dreams. This almost touches back to the conversations we had two, three episodes ago, right? Right. About whose dreams are we dreaming and how this stuff ties together. Absolutely. But, you know, people, uh, they can 
use this. They can they can use this disconnection that they first manufacture and then we that we subsequently take on board to then just sell us things that we're convinced might help ease that pain that they have caused in us. Right. Or that or that we've allowed in ourselves too. I mean yes. like we can't just say it's someone else's fault. That's a good point. And you know, it's not just items that they're trying to sell us either. It's not just consumer goods. There's a whole other category of stuff that they sell us predicated on our pain and our disconnection. And this includes toxic politics, mm-hmm. othering of mm-hmm. other humans, mm-hmm. right? There's a very quick sugar high kind of way to feel good about yourself. And that's feeling like you're superior to another group of humans. Oh man, the, I, the, I, it just occurred to me that like we've been talking about hierarchy over the last number of episodes in mm-hmm. one way or another. Like the feeling of disconnection from other people is a direct contributing factor to the establishment of a hierarchy and us sorting yeah. ourselves into these power these power over situations. Yeah. Right? Like in which we the individual are always somehow magically in the apex group. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or or are aiming for it. Yeah. As opposed to aiming for power with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which is I mean you could another way you could say power with is like uh, Connectedness and, and part of a collective whole. You know, like you, that's another way to say oneness. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It is so true, and that's like the. That's funny. Everyone's always trying to like bash on like socialism. It's like it's the root of socialism is the same as the root of like society. <laughs> right. It's a collective endeavor. It's doing things together. Right. Right. <sighs> Man hijacking that word and making it sound like it's just like a, 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 a boogeyman is one of the crowning PR achievements of the right wing. But that's like their whole game, right? Like this is totally, this is a side conversation, <laughs> but like they take words like, like that, I, this, this quote unquote debate about critical race theory, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a word that they've made into a bogeyman word that like, yeah. They've, they've made it into something. They've made it into something scary sounding to rev up the culture war. That's like they're. That's what they do. I mean, like they. There's so many other things that they've done that with. But you're right. Socialism is one of the things that they've <sighs> successfully hijacked and made into a scary thing that can motivate their followers. You anyway. know, we had taken a note here thinking about how consumer culture relies entirely, you know, on our sense of individualism, uh-huh. you know, and selling us stuff. Uh, my cousin Gretchen, uh, Gretchen Seacrest, whom we have been citing so much over this last month of episodes, yeah. she had a great thought on on, on uh, the consumerism side of it. Yeah. And, and it was this, and I'm quoting from her here. She says, we should do more advertising bans. They worked well for cigarettes and should be imposed for oil companies, SUVs, flights, Etc. Mm-hmm. By which, to, to be clear, she means like there, like make there be a moratorium on advertising. Like you don't see cigarette ads on TV anymore, right? Because they right? became illegal. They were banned. Yeah. yeah. We should make ads for oil companies illegal, SUVs illegal, flights illegal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like you can still go do it if you want, but just don't have it shoved down our throat. Because mm-hmm. she continues here, which are all causing health impacts worse than tobacco. <laughs> And she also has this brilliant point. She says, this could also be an effective kill switch for interrupting the creation of our consumer identity and ideology. <laughs> You'd have to kind of like ban all ads. <laughs> like, right? is, are there any good ads? Man. <laughs> Man. No, I... Every know, time I see an ad for a synthesizer, I get a little bit stoked. I know, but... And Instagram knows that's basically what it should show me. You so. have to maybe do a little <laughs> bit of unpacking as to like what kind of a need, an artificial need you feel for synthesizers manufactured by the people who want to sell you synthesizers. I know. It's really, really <laughs> true. But honestly, from a, like, from a person who sometimes sells things mm-hmm. perspective, like we, you know, we do these things called personal songs, right? Where we... 
we uh, write, uh, Liz, I, 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 will, I will, someone can hire me to write a song for someone in their life, you know, and have a couple of them on my docket right now mm-hmm. this summer. Um, and it's a wonderful experience and I love doing them. It is something I do for work, mm-hmm. you know, for pay. And, um, uh, and so every once in a while, we have several times, you know, put out an ad on social media yeah. for these. And honestly, can I just say, every single time we've done that, I have felt a little bit icky. Like, there's a little bit of me that's like, oh my gosh, here I am participating in in creating an ad in which my goal is to create an artificial sense of need Mm. in someone to buy my product. Like, I have really done that. No, this is my genuine experience. I have... Uh, Bonk in the microphone, people. So sorry. This is my genuine experience that I have had. And like, every single time... Because I, it's something I want to do, and I love doing these things, and it is part of my work, and I do need to earn money to, like, you know, help pay the bills. Mm. You know, like, that's all necessary, and it's, and, it's, and it's good and right to pay somebody for their work. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a, a good thing to do. Uh, so that, that part of it is fine. I don't feel icky accepting payment from people to do this work for them. But the ad part of it has always made me feel a little bit icky because I feel like a, 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 to create a successful ad, one that gets clicks and responses, I have felt my own internal impulse to create an ad that makes people feel like they need this. Mm. And maybe they, I mean, maybe they, there's no, there's not a need for a song, (laughs) you know, but like, but, but it can also be a really lovely gift that you may want to give someone. Well, I was going to say, what you're making me think of here is that there's two different kinds of advertising. There's one that attempts to create a need where there was not one previously out of thin air to create a a feeling of a lack inside of you and uh, uh, to define an empty space inside of you and then suggest the thing that they're selling to fill that empty space. Right. That's one form of advertising. There's another, and I think more benign form of advertising, Uh which is to help person identify a thing that you do with a legitimate need that they already on their own independently have for perhaps healthy reasons. Yeah. Like perhaps like a need that people feel around Christmas and around Valentine's Day is to express love in an extra special way to a partner, a child, a loved one, whatever. And that's a thing that they have in them, that need they already have inside of them on their own. That's not anything that you have created. All you're doing is saying, I understand that this is a need that people have. I have something really cool to help you address that. And I think that's different. I I totally accept that. And I guess my, the feeling of ickiness, and I should maybe refine my comments, is that in the process of thinking about making an ad, I, I'm I'm in the process of thinking like an advertiser. Yeah. And so I have had I have confronted that moment where it's like, am I creating an artificial artificial sense of need in somebody, or am I? You know what I mean? Like I'm I've confronted that feeling in the process of advertising that. Does that make it yeah. more clear? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I think you know the uh, what is it? Uh, Exxon Mobil isn't really thinking about like. <laughs> You know, mm. uh, that... How to tap uh, into what's in the core of your heart and your values. <laughs> yeah. They're not really thinking about, like, that in an introspective way. Although like, are they creating, you although know... Although cynically, they are actually doing that exact thing I just mentioned, right? Like, if you look at an ad from, like, BP, any advertisement you see from BP, or these days, even ExxonMobil, it's all about environmentalism and what we're doing to oh, help no. the planet. 
And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're Exxon Mobil. I know. And what I'm, what I was trying to say about those corporations is that they're not having the moment of personal reflection like I am, where they're deciding whether what they're doing is right or wrong. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that that's probably happening at that level. Anyway, yeah, I would agree with that. So I'm not trying to like put myself on, in putting an ad about personal songs on Facebook. I'm not saying that I am on the same level as like, you know, BP doing ads about their company or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah but no. it's a slippery slope. You know what but, I mean? Yeah, you start out hawking personal songs, all of a sudden you're coating baby ducks in oil. I was like, <laughs> where's the line? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, where have we gotten to in this conversation? I don't know. Do you have a do you have a happy thing to say at the end? Well, that's that's something that sometimes you can do. It's <laughs> nice. We can do something nice, please. Yeah, make make something nice please happen. Please do sweetheart. something nice. No, I I think this is this has been a uh, it's, this stuff has just been on my mind this last week, uh, vis a vis that Timothy Snyder piece where mm-hmm. it mentioned it. Some of the readings I've been doing in my in my books. Um, you know, it harkens back to some of the articles that that our friend Whitney Fishburne has been p- publishing recently that we've mentioned on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that like we so many of the bad things in our lives, but both as people experiencing life as individuals and as a society, come from this disconnection that we ha- that we have gotten ourselves into a disconnection from the reality that we are all connected mm-hmm. you know and and so much of our our personal pain comes from that and i think we are seeing evidence of our societal pain yeah. coming from that and you know if if there's a if there's a happy thought <laughs> at the end of all this is that you know recognizing that that is that, that this is our state of being mm-hmm. and that it's not been good for us yeah. is the first step in figuring out what we can do to change that for ourselves. And and so that's a good thing. <laughs> it is. I have one too. What? Which is that, uh, you know, we have agency in this. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that. It can feel like the forces that are conspiring to dislocate us and to separate us and to isolate us mm-hmm. are so powerful have so many resources that it's impossible to fight against them. Mm-hmm. But it's not true. You and mm-hmm. I were having a sidebar discussion about this in between, you know, taping parts of this very episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, just the idea that we as individuals, here's a positive spin on being an individual. As individuals, we can work to take back our minds, to take back our mm-hmm. thought space from the people who are trying to mm-hmm. replace our ideas and our thoughts, our more natural and healthy thoughts, mm-hmm. our ideas of being intertwined, not just with one another, but with the natural world. Mm-hmm. I think these are thoughts and feelings that are very intuitive to humans. I mean, anyone who just goes out into nature for a minute, uh, can identify with that immediately. Oh, yeah. It takes 30 seconds with a tree, and you're like, I am a natural being. Yeah. But, you know, it can be really easy. Like, those those uh, corporate coyotes can separate huh. us from our flock and huh. predate upon us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't reclaim that. Yeah. We saw a, a film this last week that was made by a dear friend of ours. It's not yet uh, publicly released. He's only released it to a private group of, of friends and supporters. But it was his, it's his first documentary film. Our friend Greg Fusen mm-hmm. um, made a, a film called uh, Sun, Soil, and Water. Mm-hmm. I got that title in the right order, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> um, and in it, he's interviewing various people doing 
different things and they're doing amazing things in the world, um, but sharing their stories and, and the film really ties all of them together in such a beautiful way. Uh, but one of the women that he interviewed for the film uh, was talking specifically, and she, she's a filmmaker and artist herself, I mm-hmm. believe, and she um, specifically, he was interviewing her about the, the choice that she made for herself and her family. They're a Jewish family, although they're not a religiously Jewish family, they're a culturally Jewish family. Yes. Um, and so they don't, they don't celebrate any like religion stuff, but they did take cues from the Jewish faith and decided to do a Sabbath each week, uh, specifically a Sabbath um, in which they did not use their devices. A tech Sabbath. A tech Sabbath, yeah. So no computers, uh, television, uh, phones for from Friday evening until Saturday evening yeah. each week. And she was talking about the fruits of that. And uh, what I heard her saying in that was that that intentional act of disconnecting from mm-hmm. the the frenzy of the of the media sphere and tech world and computers and the internet and your phone and all mm-hmm. that disconnecting intentionally from that has created for her and her family an opportunity to feel so much more connected mm-hmm. to themselves to each other as a family to nature mm-hmm. and to the world at large like that that one day a week that one 24 hour period each week has been super transformational and i was really inspired by that like like you say we have agency this is a woman who's taken that agency and 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 uh, taken her agency and, and and employed it and deployed it in a really intentional regular kind of way that was super inspiring to me um and what a great exercise you know i i find that you know my my time alone with the breeze coming through an open window and me doing stretches for 20 minutes every day, mm-hmm. every morning, first thing, is one of the most restorative parts of my day. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is a moment in which I do feel more connected mm-hmm. to the the universe at large. Yeah, um, and I and and I feel more peaceful and content and happy as an individual. <laughs> you know, like these are these are practices that I think. Are, are really good for us. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are you going to do, listener? What do you want to, what are you inspired to do? You know, to, to give yourselves an opportunity, give yourself an opportunity to reconnect. To reconnect. That's a great question. I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you are part of our Misfit Stars community, please uh, post in the group. We would love to know what your intentional strategies are for reconnecting Mm. with the idea that you're not just an individual person disconnected from everything, but part of the universe, part of the greater whole. We would Mm. love to know that. Mm -hmm. And if you're not part of our Misfit Stars community, we would still love to hear from you. You can email me at jamie at misfitstars.com. Shannon is shannon at misfitstars.com. Please just send us a message and let us know your thoughts. We would love to know what what you do to get back to being more connected as a member of a society Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're not alone no we're not alone Mm -mm. let's stop acting like it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you all thank you so much for listening this week um we will be back again next week with more to talk about more hot mischief stars action Um, in the meantime, uh, uh, please, if you want to join us uh, and support this work that we're doing, we would be grateful and so very happy to have you as part of the crew. Go to misfitstars.com slash join mm-hmm. or misfitstars.com slash support. That's just a litmus test for what kind of person you see 
Gustav is whatever, being... Whatever flavor sounds better to you. Yeah. Uh, but both of them will land you in our community of Misfit Stars uh, and, and will land you in a position of supporting the work that we're doing. And we are very grateful for that support. Uh, it is it is the thing that keeps this engine running. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, that's it? Yeah. Okay, we'll be back next week. Until then, you all, these are your instructions. Mm-hmm. You are to take good care of yourselves. Okay. And be good to each other. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> okay, we'll see you later. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.